Tune in to Refresh Radio with Regina Johnson. Who is Regina Johnson? Regina Johnson. Author, pastor, motivational speaker, and life coach. Regina is inspirational, motivating others to live out their purpose. Regina is passionate, tenacious, and relentless about helping others fulfill their destiny. Her goal is to bring a refreshing to someone's life. Join us every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Dial in to share your heart with Regina at 657-383-0309. That's 657-383-0309. And remember that Regina says... We all know you really haven't failed until you stop trying. I want to be to people what others have been to me. And so that's, that's really the purpose of Refresh. It's the end of the day for people to feel refreshed. So call in at 657-383-0309. That's 657-383-0309. You'll be blessed by her wisdom, strategies, and encouragement. That's Refresh Radio with Regina Johnson on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to Refresh. This is Regina Johnson, your host. Um, I'd like to also, at this time, um, say hello to all the other hosts on NHISG that have already been on the air before me. Like, give my girl, Princess Cooper, a big shout-out. Hey, hey, uh, Princess. And to everyone that's preparing for Thanksgiving, which is right around the corner. Uh, I hope we have some real uh, ham uh, makers and uh, uh, chefs, cooks, and turkey bakers, uh, and I wish you in advance a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to the show. It's a very special show for us. Our guest today, this will be our third appearance with us here. Um, I had the privilege to meet her two and a half years ago. No, two years ago, almost two years. It was probably... Um, maybe a couple of weeks right after one of the hardest things that's ever happened in your life to date. Um, but the reason we have her here is because um, the title of our show today is uh, Still Thankful After Everything. And I'd like to welcome to the show Lakasha Williams. Welcome. Thank you. You know they still, because of the way your name is spelled, want to say Lakosha. <laughs> And because it looks like that, I know now. Lakasha, welcome to the show, Lakasha. Um, how has it been? How's it been going? It's been going great. Um, I have my moments, but uh, just keeping focused. When we talk about having your moments, what actually brought us together was um, outside of conferences that you've attended. Um, what actually, what was the event? I'm going to allow you to be able to, to share a little bit here in the first segment of the show. Uh, the very thing that actually brought you onto the show the very first time. The very first time uh, was when I lost my daughter. Okay, uh, go ahead. I think it was maybe maybe a month. It was a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just talked about um, how that has impacted my life at that moment and I didn't even think it was a month. 
I really don't. I know you kind of like in a blur, but I really, I, you were raw. I mean, I want to say it might have been a week after the funeral. Pretty close. I don't even think I gave you that much time. But you came on. And you're right. It was close. You're right because you asked me if I located. If you were right, right, yeah. She just had a, a large medical history, and but even with all of that, her life was just a life that basically just changed me. And when you say it changed you, how did it change you? She showed me the joy in life. Okay. You know, she couldn't speak, um, but she, even though she couldn't speak, her 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 joy that she had was loud. Okay. Um, she never had the opportunity to call me mom, but I knew she loved me and I knew that she knew who I was. Um, even though she couldn't speak, the way she carried herself and the happiness and her smile, it was contagious. And so every time um, you got the opportunity to be around her, mm-hmm. it was just like joy and peace. I, uh, I also know that even though there was like a great amount of love that you experienced in y'all's relationship and others with her, um, it was quite challenging. It was a very challenging relationship for you. Yes. Um, what did your day look like from today? It was full. I mean, between seven morning started meditations from all the way until almost midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, we the Doctor, probably, I would say we would have two or three doctors on it throughout the week. Um, through the month, we would probably visit the doctor's office at least 15 times. It would basically take up a month. If I have this correct, they really, um, they they really didn't give her a lot of uh, time to leave, even when she was born. Is that correct? But she lived in church. She lived to be 16. And uh, and had a beautiful uh, 16th birthday party. Yes. 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 Um, hard to talk about now. It's sometimes because you know the first year was just me trying to grasp that it happened, mm-hmm. and now it's the second year almost, and so now it's like it's real. It mm-hmm. it it's set in that it has happened. Right. Right. So from the beginning of her life, you've been fighting for life. You fought for life yes. almost every day. Yes. For long. Yes. Wow. I want to commend you as a mother uh, that you kind of just stuck to it. You passed the buck. You got in there. You had a great support system. Yes. Uh, your family was there with you, and you had friends. Yes. Ma'am. Friends in the community and in the medical center that really had your back. Um, but you fought. You fought for her. On multiple levels, not only for her life, but you fought for her acceptance. You want to you wanna talk about that? Yes. Um, you know, as growing up, um, not being around kids who, who are 
considered different having disabilities. Um, I never was put in a position where I would treat anyone else different because of that, um, because the way my parents, what they installed in me is to never treat anyone different. And so um, I didn't really understand discrimination until I had born. You know, she wasn't accepted um, in a lot of different areas. You know, we would, go, we would go out into public mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we would get stares, okay. um, kids making fun, pointing at her, okay. um, just, and even some adults, you know, and I think it's just not knowing mm-hmm. um, and not uh, given the opportunity to get to know her. Right. It was um, because of the the um, disorder that she had, disease that she had, multiple things going yes. on, um, disfigurement yes. uh, of her jawline, is that correct? Yes. Of her jawline mm-hmm. um, created uh, her like an overbite, mm-hmm. uh, not strong teeth. What were you saying? Where she couldn't keep her mouth closed. She couldn't keep her mouth closed. Um and so when you're telling them, uh, the listening audience, you're saying that um, it would, the natural individual, like you might have questions, but you're saying that people made it actually kind of difficult. Yeah. 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 How was that every day, dealing with that when you went out of public? You know, it was hard because not only did we have to deal with the everyday life of me trying to keep her alive, and trying to, you know, give her a normal, uh, we just felt like we had to hide ourselves at some point. Mm -hmm. And not because I was ashamed of her, but because it was so hurtful. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants to have that normal child Mm -hmm. um, where she's accepted. Right. And, you know, even places that you wouldn't even expect, Mm-hmm. For her not to be accepted, mm-hmm. she wasn't accepted, mm-hmm. um, and that had—that's always been my goal—is to make sure that she mattered and yeah. that she was human. You know, she's human, and so I want her to be treated just as any other human. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes with education. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, my youngest son is autistic, and so I remember that. Um, even though he's a high-functioning lot, he's in his um, third semester of college right now, and uh, we're really expecting some great things out of it. Actually, he's more on the ball (laughs) getting stuff stuff done than the other four, um, five, and so. um, But there was a difference when Mm -hmm. he was growing up. You could clearly see it, you know. And um, for a long time, I used to want, like, wish, like, you know, God make him perfect. And then one day, I remember the Lord speaking to me and telling me that I was the one with the problem in the, in the room. I was so busy running interference that I couldn't see that really what was happening to him happens to everyone. And uh, and then there would be certain people that I'd never be able to, uh, they wouldn't understand. Uh, people like making differences. Um but uh, I, I I remember that, and it was like a continual fight until he showed me. Uh, I think I was in a room, and people were laughing. He was playing and talking, and 
you know, and everybody had his whole little circle and stuff. And and when the Lord made me turn around and look, and when I looked at him, I remember I was spreading, but that God he had. And so um, even though it didn't happen like with the physical appearances, it was like I was afraid for him to like speak to somebody, like, you know, um, some, uh, one thing with autism, um, they have to teach or be taught to have a filter. They have no filter. So whatever they see, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. And um, you're probably some of the most truthful people you're ever going to meet um, and just have to learn how to, how to protect them uh, from it. Um, when I fell in love with his disability, his, or, or actually I never even called it disability, I would say like blessing. He sees a light, he sees a world totally opposite or different from us, uh, from a very real, honest place. Um, it helped me. It really did. And so I would say, uh, even if I write something on Facebook about him, I talk about him having the privilege, you know, to be blessed with autism. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, it really has changed our lives. And I know he's touched many lives that are, you know, around us. I watch people. There are some that really don't want to let him out of that box. But I love the way that God really forces him to burst forth out of it. And he has a family support system that fights for him, too. I think that in your case, um, and who could be a better advocate than a mom who went through that? Um, I think people just need to be educated. We really don't know how to respond to children or adults or anyone, that's really, uh, the difference is uh, an extreme difference, you know? Um, but I think your testimony in relationship with your daughter, the love that you have continually spoken of uh, and how you loved her, even if people missed it at one time, maybe they might have missed it with your daughter, they won't miss it with someone else. And so I want to thank you for that. You've been absolutely incredible doing that. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you didn't stop there. Like your daughter, she passed away, um, but you didn't go somewhere and lay down and die. Mm-hmm. You kept on living. Felt like that first year you actually were fighting and living for long. Is that true? Yes, um, because not only did I, I was still holding on to past hurt. Mm-hmm. of what people had done to her mm-hmm. and still holding on to what, or if, if I made the right choice, mm-hmm. you know. What do you mean by that? We were um, at a pre- previous church, and my daughter wasn't allowed to be a part of the youth mm-hmm. because of everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to respond to that okay? because I felt like the ones that I loved, the ones that were praying for me, the ones that um, I needed the most kind of didn't give us the opportunity to let her be a part. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it was so an opportunity that she stay with you in church. Yes, she stayed with me in church, and I was, you know, basically told that they asked me what could she do, and that was it. 
and I can tell that's still pretty hurtful to you still now. Um, but I'm just going to tell you because I know your heart. Forgive them because they don't know. They really don't know. Sometimes people just see something that's difficult. And I promise you, I promise you, we probably all have failed the test when it came down to long. But people don't know what to do. They don't. Some people laugh because they don't even know how to respond. They nervously laugh or, or it's, they don't consider that that's somebody's child and they might, that what might not, the child might not feel, the parents will feel. And so, uh, because I know you got a great heart, you do, you're probably one of the sweetest people that I've met. And I mean, and you just pop out of nowhere and I get encouragement and love from you. So I know that's not fake. That's real. So just take all that love that you show your baby and you show me and so many others and let God use it. Let him use it and forgive him. Don't allow the time, the space to make you bitter. You're so much better than that. So much better. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's difficult when we have children that are different. We want them to be involved because when we're at home, we can see sides of them that others cannot see. Right. We see this is a viable life here. This is someone that you need to get to know or if you just give it a little more effort. But, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you, man, just be that advocate. Help people to understand that we're talking about a human being, someone that's filled with love and understanding of acceptance and rejection, you know. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know what? We're gonna go ahead and go to um, we're gonna go to break right now and kind of give you a second to kind of pull things together and we'll be right back. We're gonna push past this point, ma'am. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Refresh, Regina Johnson, your host. We'll be back in a moment. Never had it so good. One hundred one point one is proud to have talk radio on their platform, like Pastor Regina Johnson. Refresh Radio, James Deshay, Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, Daquan King, Revive Radio, Warren Sally with Man Cave Radio, Sky Wonders with Unmuted, Your Voice Matters, Wake Up Call Radio with Pastors Warren and Annie Sally, Peace Within Radio with Henry Washington, The Bible Has the Answers with Pastor Aaron B. Williams, Dig Radio with Pastor Annetta Watson. Crazy Sports Mom with Doresa Anderson. Been there, done that with Cindy Smith. Pave your way to success with Rudy and Michelle Govan. Spiritually reincarnated with Gilbert Sines. In times like these with Benita Coney. Sports Talk Atlanta with Matt D and Travis McGee. Sports Talk Carolina with Andre White and Neek Emerson. Sports Talk Money Podcast with Elliot Johnson. Power 803. With Reverend John Robinson, Totally Healed Radio with Angel Anderson, Bless This House Gospel House with Bishop Timothy Henderson, and It's a Way Out and a Way to Stay Out with Marlon Reed. I'm talking about absolutely the best talk show host in the country right here on Never Had It So Good 101.1, The World's Radio Station.
spreading the word of the Lord through music ministry on Gospel 107. We're live on NHISG 101.1 every Sunday. Gospel music from legends Lee Williams, Rance Allen, and Shirley Caesar. Join us for Sunday service delivered by Pastor Regina Johnson, Pastor Russell Moore, and Pastor Johnny Ray Noble. Bible study with Pastor Aaron B. Williams and Christian Talk Radio with Pastor Annetta Watson, Pastor Annie Sally, Pastor Warren Sally, and Benita Coney. Gospel 107, every Sunday on Never Had It So Good, 101.1. Good evening. I want to welcome you back to Refresh. This is Regina Johnson, your host. I'm here with a very special guest that's near and dear to my heart, Lakasha Williams. We're discussing um, the loss of our child, still in a grateful place, um, and her own life. So we're going to wrap up just the first uh, portion of the interview where uh, now in this year after she's gone, um, you can feel yourself becoming angry in some of the injustices that were done to Lauren. Um, and how it created heart issues with you. And so I want you to kind of explain that because there are some mothers that, you know, you're, you're not the only one or the first you got me, and you definitely won't be the last. Not saying that yours was not important because it was. That was your baby. But um, I want you to just kind of talk about, like, you know, why now? Why now are you angry? You were able to endure during that time. Why now? I need for you to explain that. Because there's someone I know why, but I need for you to explain that. I think I'm more so angry now because the people who did, who didn't accept her, didn't really get it and didn't really understand how bad it hurt me. Mm-hmm. And Lauren had no clue, but as a mother mm-hmm. and a child that was dying and a mother's only wish is for her to be a part mm-hmm. and get that opportunity before she takes her last breath. It's it's like that that was just my only wish for her to be accepted, for her to be able to do everything that she could possibly do before she did take her last breath. And so you know people when they look and they see children with these deformities, they don't even think about their life expectancy. People don't even consider the fact that that child is in a, um, like their lives really kind of fast forwarding, like just moving like a reel, like somebody pushed the button to fast forward and years, decades are being cut out of their lives. They, they don't even consider that. They don't even think, I know that I, when I see a child or you see someone that's sick, you don't think about, that they're fighting for life every day unless you've been in a fight for life because there are people that don't even look like they're fighting for life. They're fighting for life every day, right. every day. And so when they couldn't see that, it was heartbreaking for you, correct? Correct. Yeah. So if you could go back and do it again, what would you do? What would you do different? I would, I would have put the situation in God's hands. And, and not try to fight fight it on my own because it was a it was 
it was too many fights of fighting for Lauren and fighting for not that I can't still be the voice for her because mm-hmm. I would all I will always be her voice. Mm-hmm. But it's some battles you you need to know when you have to give it up. Mm-hmm. And but I will always be the voice for her, and I will always be the voice for others that are voiceless mm-hmm. because I want. I don't want any other parent to feel that way. Yeah. And I feel that it's a time that we need to educate people to know, to, to understand how how to help a parent, whether yeah. it's at a church, whether it's at school, whether wherever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they count just like everyone else. You know what I found out that with children, not as much as before, but I think it depends on the disability, you know, um, like I said, with Lauren, it was visible. You could visibly see where you might have a child like um, my son or someone else's child that might be just dealing with uh, autism. Um, you might not be able to see it because it looks very normal until they begin to speak or interact at times, especially when they're young and they're untrained and they don't know how to maneuver through life, um, uh, controlling their natural tendencies. They don't know how when they're younger, and so um, so when they see, you know, when it's a visible thing, it's so difficult. Um, do you think that you probably would have explained the matter, uh, maybe? Do you think that would have helped if you would have shared with them how critical the situation was or not? No, it wouldn't have. You don't think it would have made not, it? Not for that particular time. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, so since then, um, this second year, it seems like that is becoming real. Yeah. Like uh, at the beginning of the show, you shared, like, um, that the first year, you, it was just so hard to believe uh, that she was gone. And we interviewed with you about, you know, all of that during that time. Uh, even the beauty of a passing, that was absolutely beautiful. You tell the story of that. Um, it uh, This year, it's kind of like soaking in that uh, that she's actually gone. I think during that first year when I watched you from afar, it just seemed like you were just kind of maneuvering, moving, you know, kind of fast, just kind of taking care of you and keeping things rolling and so on and so forth. Um, and I really saw some beautiful transitions. Happen in your life, uh, but now it's like it's really setting that she's gone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, what's that like? I mean, I know, but you know, there are those that really don't know those phases of grief. There, there's moments where I'm okay because I know she's in a better place. Mm-hmm. But then there's moments that the pain is so raw and real that I feel like I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is I'm learning that it's okay to feel that. It's okay mm-hmm. to feel it, but it's also okay to let go, Yeah, to hold on to it, grieve, and then let go. I heard people that were, that have been with people that were in disease, you know, like maybe they struggle with cancer, you know, watching them, you know, their, their bodies like, you know, change and, uh, or some other uh, terminal disease, and they watch them, and then when they die, or up until that point, you know, because it's so difficult, they have this thought in their mind that it's going to be better, you know, like when they pass, 
you know, like the burden of it will release. They'll be better. The person will be better. And then there's like this thing that comes in uh, where they're just saying like how foolish of me to think that it would be better. Did you ever go through that? I never experienced that part of feeling that it would it wouldn't be better. Better like in the sense that they saw them struggling and they wouldn't have to struggle anymore. Well yeah, yeah. It would be better. I felt that she was at a better place. That was one of one of the things that gave me peace mm-hmm. with knowing she was going to be at a better place. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to be suffering anymore. She's right. going to be made whole. Mm-hmm. And but it, it's just now that it's just it's a pain that I didn't really feel in the beginning when mm-hmm. she first passed mm-hmm. because I was trying to hold on to the memories, hold on to the moment. And now it's like I'm still holding on to those moments, but the pain is more raw because the time has spread. Because a lot of people say it gets easier mm-hmm. as it goes along. Do you think it's when you don't address it, when you kind of stay in this kind of cocoon of like holding on that you didn't get the opportunity to feel, and now you're feeling what you would have felt then? Is that what you're yes. saying? Yeah. 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 And so it just makes it that much more difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the first year, you're surrounded. You're surrounded by friends. You're surrounded by family. You have people really there in your corner. And so the second year, it's like they're still there. Mm-hmm. But it's like they almost feel like as if you don't need them as much. Right. In the right. second, you know. Right. And it's not that they don't love me. It's just, you know, everyone goes on with their lives, but yeah. you're still holding on. Yeah. And you're still yeah. in that spot of, okay, how do I go on with my life? Right, right. During that time, as a mother's lost a child, um, what would you tell people that maybe they still need to hang around a little bit or what, what would you say to help them to be able to move past? You know, I think it's just that feeling of you wanting that because out of all of everything that has happened, Mm -hmm. even with them being there, I was still lonely at times. So it's really nothing that anyone can really do. do. You just got to process through by yourself. Right. Wow. Wow. Well, I tell you what, you want to test this, that's a fact. That is a fact. That's definitely a fact. I just commend you on just what a wonderful job you've done being her mom and and so on and so forth. At the end of Lauren's life, a couple of really great things happened. On her 16th birthday, could you kind of tell us about that? She basically had a Cinderella-type fairy tale Sweet 16 birthday party. <laughs> wow. Wow. With all the trimming. Everything. Yeah. She had, like, a, the gown and yes. the Sierra. And, yes. I mean, all of it. And who... Was responsible for that? Is that something you did? No, uh, Heather's Glenn mm-hmm. um, and her godparents and just family and friends. Wow! And they just said, you know what? This is our 16th, and uh, we're gonna make it a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Not only was did she get her sweet 16, see, and I'm thinking about this. Isn't God amazing though? He still has a way, even though others won't let you in or try to bring you know, allow the normalcies of life to come in. 
he still put it on people's hearts to really go, you know, above and beyond for her. Um, I think Lauren was also a little official around here. <laughs> I was feeling a little safe there for a moment. Well, talk to me about that. Uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Conroe Police Department got together. Um, well, originally when Lauren was placed on hospice, we got the choice to make a wish. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning of the plan was for us, the family and one of her nurses of our choice, to fly to uh, Disney World and spend a whole week. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren's heart was not strong enough to fly on an airplane. And so there would have been consequences if something happened while we were in the air, right. and um, it, it just would have been, it wouldn't have been good right. for us. So we had to come up with another plan. Well, Lauren's favorite show was Cops. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Okay. So we uh, spoke with uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, gave them an idea of wanting to make Lauren a cop for a day. Oh, wow. Wow. And so... Tell us what that looked like. So one of the uh, lieutenants at the police department got together with Make-A-Wish. Basically, they gave us everything we wanted. We got a limo. um, (laughs) We were escorted to the uh, police department. Um, They had a big party for her. And we had, uh, she got to do a chase and arrest. (laughs) Arrest. And oh, so no. Oh, no. They, the whole day was just created for her. Wow. Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing. After that, Lauren didn't live much longer. Now, she passed away literally three months later. Wow. Wow. Well, hey, look, we have two minutes left before we go to our break. So I'm, I think I'm just going to go ahead and break away right here. But when we get back, we spent the first half of the show talking about Lauren. When we get back, we're going to talk about some things that's been going on Miss Things Life. <laughs> Amen. So uh, for those of you listening, don't break away. We'll be right back in just a short break. You've been listening to Refresh. This is Regina Johnson, your host. Something, something in the water 
Refresh. This is Regina Johnson, your host. If you have not been tuned in to the first portion of the show, you've missed a great show. I'm here with Lakasha Williams, a lady who is very near and dear to my heart, uh, fought some really major battles, had a daughter, uh, Lauren, uh, her sweet baby. She went on to be with the Lord at the age of 16 after suffering uh, from multiple, multiple uh, health issues, challenges, um, and we are sort of on the other side of that. She's been talking about a couple of different phases of grief. Uh, and now she's at the point to where uh, she um, is kind of feeling what she didn't feel in the first year. And uh, I know that's been difficult. But in the midst of it, my eye has been on you, ma'am. And actually, you were on a show about a year ago. Uh, and we were discussing some health choices and changes that you have uh, challenged yourself. I'm watching real close on Facebook. I'm telling you, when I don't see you there that day, I'm like, well, hold up. She didn't go to the gym? <laughs> and uh, so let's talk about it. You made some decisions after uh, your women with weapon challenge, or you came out like a storm. <laughs> you fighting for yourself, baby. Hey. Um, so let's talk about it. What's, what's, what's with you? You kind of went through some things, too, with Lauren in your own physical body. Would you, before we even get into just the changes you made in your natural body, when you actually broke a bone in your neck, your spine? My spine ripped. And I fell and my spine ripped. And your I was your spine paralyzed. tore. Yes. And you were walking around, and when you went to the doctor, they were, like, freaking out because they didn't know how in the world you walked in the office. Right. So while your daughter was being placed on hospice, you were recovering from spine surgery? First emergency spine surgery. My goodness. And so you were down for how long? Six months. And didn't you have to have surgery again? Three months after Lauren, we buried Lauren. You had to have surgery again? Yes, ma'am. And that was two on your spine, right? Yes, ma'am. Now, that's the one where I saw you with the neck brace. You couldn't walk there for a little bit, and then you got up. And then we yeah, we were watching that whole process. Thank you for documenting that. It was amazing. And then uh, then you kind of took a turn on us, girl. <laughs> so let's talk about your life. What what have you? What changes have you made? And, and really give people just a clear understanding of, like, what you have done here. Well, I actually had gastric, uh, the gastric sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, almost a, well, it's been a year and some months. Mm-hmm. Uh, September twenty seventh of two thousand seventeen. Okay. Um, that was one of the decisions I chose to do because before Lauren passed away, mm-hmm. I told her whenever she was ready to take her last breath that I would be okay. Mm-hmm. So being okay means physically, 
mentally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to have the weight loss surgery to help myself to, to lose weight. Now, the reason why you, when you did that, you were really making a health choice yes. uh, to live. Um, how much did you weigh at that time when you first started this? 476 pounds. 476 pounds. Now, let me give some clarity for the person that said, ooh, <laughs> you're not like a little short girl either, okay? <laughs> All right, so let's explain that for starters. Um, like, how tall are you? 6'1". You are 6'1". So, 400 and how much? 76 pounds. 76 pounds. Did not look like what 476 pounds would look on me, who's 5'4". All right? right? So, let's just start right there. So, it wasn't like a woo moment, <laughs> all right? So, 476 pounds, and you kind of fought your way. Some people say, oh, well, it was like an easy decision uh, to just do the surgery and just drop that weight. But, man, that is not the case, right? No, it's not. <laughs> you just had the surgery, and then you just, oof, just kidding. <laughs> no, you show some of those pictures of what you had to eat. I'm like, and what is that? What's she going to do with that <laughs> drop? Talk to me about that. It, it Mentally, you have to be ready for that surgery. <laughs> I bet. Because you've eaten, overeaten for so many years and had the opportunity to eat however much you want. Right. And to be restricted, your stomach's different, but you're mentally still thinking that you're going to fill your plate up when you can only eat like two bites or three bites of food. Yikes. So I, I had saw, to. What was that you were talking about? You drank like a, how much water was it? Oh, in a medicine cup. It was like two, it's like a couple ounces. In a medicine cup. Yeah. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? We're talking about like that little cup that's on the top of your children's um, Motrin. Motrin, okay? <laughs> so that's what you drink. That's your cup of water. And how many times do you drink that a day? I, every, the, the first couple days, it was every 15 minutes we had to drink a couple ounces. Were you, were you hungry? Cause I was Not hungry. in the beginning. I was hungry watching you. Not in the beginning. Okay, so you weren't hungry. You drank like... The little 15 ounces of <laughs> that wasn't no 15. I don't know what that was. That was like a eyedropper worth of water. All right. <laughs> so you you did that, and then like you showed like some picture. Was that food like on a spoon or something? Like it was like a, it looked like a quarter worth of food, or just a little. There was baby food like, at one point. Oh my gosh! Because everything had to be pureed like right the first two months. Okay. And so you, okay, so you got your little drip of water and your your little spoon of baby food. And how long did you do that? Maybe for about a month. And you weren't hungry? I was starving every time I see that. Not really, because in the beginning, it's like you're almost too scared to eat. I mean, you can't, you can't have like solid things. Right. But it's like you're, you know, you can barely get anything down. Really? Like in, the, in the first... You're the full. First You're full. Wow. Like one, two bites, and you feel like you've eaten at a all-you-can-eat buffet. Really? So they is that like a permanent thing? Yes. Uh, the sleeve? Yes. It, okay. They cut over half of my stomach off. Really? Oh, wow. So this is something that you can't just decide today that you want to change your mind and go and just eat a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. You just stepped out there big time. So this is like... A life decision that you made, right? right. Yes. Wow. 
And so you didn't just, though, you didn't make that decision, have this surgery like Nilly Willie, and then went home and just laid in the bed and just chill. No. You took some serious measures. You were, like, in the gym and not were, are in the gym, like, what, every day? No, maybe about three or four times a week. Really? Is that all? Because it yeah. sure looks like you're in there every day. So you're in there three, three or four times a three week? Three or four times a week. Okay. So you took it upon yourself to start working out and just kind of changing, like, your whole body, just everything. And so how much weight have you lost in this year? I would say about... I'm probably at about 140, 150 right now. You lost 140, 50 pounds. Wow, wow. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you can tell. You can tell. Thanks. Yeah, you can really tell. Yeah, what's your goal weight, if you don't mind sharing? My goal weight is about 225, being that I'm 6'1". Yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, that 130 thing ain't going to work. more so how I feel health-wise and yeah. how I look, because I don't want to look sick. I want to look healthy. Well, I saw you, and you got your jeans on today. Yeah. You were up in here. I saw you when you put your jeans on first <laughs> time, and then now you got your jeans on. Working your fine, girl. I see you. I see you. How does that impact things in your life now? It feels good because you're able to do things that you weren't before. Like? Like the confidence. Okay. The confidence of being able to, one of the things, one of my things that I had the hardest time with is if I would go like to um, a game or something, the seat. Right. Worried about if I would fit in the seat. You so worried that, about that? You actually thought about it? Yes. Okay. Good. And uh, not having to go into the handicap cell now because the bathrooms have always been small. I'm and like, sorry. I go in the handicap because I need all that space. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't even know why. I need all that space. <laughs> the little bit just close me and I need space. Well, it's like you can't, you know, the small, being a heavy person, you couldn't just go in a small stall because, like, you're skin to skin with the wall. Right. So, <laughs> don't make me laugh. I didn't mean to laugh. You are a mess. Anyway, okay. True, I'm sure. So, that, um, the freedom of the very first time of me being able to cross my legs. Oh, You wow. know, so things that you don't even think of, you know, being able to lean over and tie my shoe. And not struggle uh-huh. and have a hard time breathing and um, and people looking at you differently. Wow. You know, like what? Walking into a store mm-hmm. and not worrying about someone saying, "Well, maybe she shouldn't be in the store." I don't think we care her size. They're probably not saying that. Right. But the confidence wasn't there. Whereas now it's like, even right. walking into the gym. Right. There was times I just didn't want to go in the gym as being 476 pounds right. because I felt like somebody was going to judge me, even though I was still making an effort to right. go to the gym. Right. But now it's just like I feel like, you know, they're in here the same reason, for the same reason I'm in here. I don't know if it was you that I interviewed or someone else. They were telling me about losing weight, and they were saying even driving, like it, it affected them even driving when they were overweight, like with the steering wheel. Yeah. And uh, is that true? Yeah, that's embarrassing. Like you're getting out the car and your stomach hits the horn and someone thinks you're blowing at them, but it was just your stomach. Yeah, oh, that's happened a lot. Stop. So, but now I see you like, you know, on that downside and you look absolutely amazing. Thank you. So there's been a lot of changes that's happened over this past year. And so let's talk about it. But while we were on break, I was like, okay, don't, don't talk about all that. 
So when you're saying, like, there's really, like, been a lot of transitioning that's happening new, yes. a lot of stuff that's happening, let's talk about it. This is an unfamiliar season for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, relocated to another church. Okay. Um, I've lost almost 150 pounds. Okay. Um, and I'm still learning how to live without Lauren. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a season that I'm, like, trying to figure out who am I. Who you are in this season. Wow. Wow. Okay, go ahead. And the more I try to figure out who I am, God refers me to the word. Yeah. And he yeah. says, because I'm like, well, who am I? Who is this girl? Who is Lakasha? Right. You know, so I'm learning who I am because right. everything was cluttered with whether I was doing for others uh-huh. or taking care of Lauren. Okay. So okay. I didn't know what Lakasha really liked. Wow. For 16 years, it was about Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, it was all about Lauren. And now it's about Lakasha. Yeah. So, uh, any, what, are, what are some of the plans? Do you have any future plans of things that you really, goals that you want to go after now? The most important goal is to get down to my goal weight, mm-hmm. get healthy, mm-hmm. get this spine together because for some reason, trying to affect me getting into my skinny jeans, but I said I'm going to walk in this season. Okay. Um, but there are things I want to do with Lauren's foundation, keeping okay. her name alive. Right. You know, keeping, um, going into um, maybe different ministries and setting up a comfort zone for kids who are disabled. And so people will be aware mm-hmm. of what they need to help, you know, the parents that are bringing their kids. Because you made a a, um, a statement, uh, I think during maybe our second break, that there are parents that have uh, children with disabilities who just don't go to church. Yeah. Because there's nothing. There's nothing for them. Nothing for them. It's only for the kids who don't have problems. Right. Or who who don't have issues. Right. And right. so that's going to be one of my goals for not just for Lauren, but for other kids. Right. Because Lauren's not here anymore. So I still want to continue Whatever, whatever God has for me in this season, I want to continue what I'm supposed to be doing for myself. But I also want to work on things for other families, you right. know, to help to help them on the journey. For someone to never be able to, you know, feel the way I felt. Right. I uh, in um, at Fiesta, Texas, they have a whole area that is dedicated to children. That are in that are handicapped, mm-hmm. and um, I I don't think I would have known that until I saw a lady that is in our community whose son uh, is also uh, has some health challenges and um, is not is uh, he, he's not walking he's in a wheelchair and uh, just has some other things and when I saw that she had taken some pictures of what it looked like then I researched it. And I saw that. I think that what Fiesta Texas did to accommodate the families that have children mm-hmm. that have disabilities with rides, like they have rides and all these things. And um, I love that. I think in the church, we need to really fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And have something, you know, an effective program. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would work hard to have youth and work hard to have women's ministry, men's ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and all the other extras, you know, the STEM programs and 
and so on and so forth, we really need to consider our brothers and sisters, because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. um, that are challenged, you know, in their body. Um, that's amazing because, like, a lot of times you look, there's some uh, disabilities to where the people are literally trapped inside of their body. Mm-hmm. They have strong minds. Yeah. And they comprehend what's going on around them. And uh, and so we definitely don't want anyone to feel like that they are not important because they are. I think when we all look at our lives and kind of just put ourselves in that place, if we would, it would definitely change how we respond to others. Yes. When you hear people's stories, uh, it changes your perspective. And uh, I want to thank you today, Lakasha, for being here with me on the show and what a difference you make. Uh, I think we should just do this like once a year. I'm game. And we'll just chart what you're doing in Lawrence Foundation and what's going on with you. And uh, we're going to see if if we're really making a difference. We're going to try to impact lives, even from the show. Hey, look, guys, I know we're coming up to holidays and we're getting ready to go. Uh, so I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Akasha, again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, uh, Princess, man, save some turkey for me. And uh, you and Ro have a great, great holiday, as well as all the other hosts on NHISG. Blessings to everyone, and happy Thanksgiving in advance. You've been listening to Refresh. This is Regina Johnson, your host.